Welcome back. We are getting so close to the end of the year, and with that always comes a lot of New Year's resolutions. So I'm going to be giving you some quick, doable tips today of how to improve your workouts, and in coming weeks, how to look at your food differently, how to change your mindset. I'm not a big fan of the new year, new you, because I don't believe there's anything wrong with you, and that kind of perpetuates the idea that you're not good enough, and I don't believe that. I just think we can make small tweaks and become healthier, and it doesn't have to be extreme. When we're waiting to do it until January, and we think we're going to have this overnight transformation in January, we tend to set ourselves up for failure because we forget it's just actually tiny, normal steps. And also those tiny, normal steps include like a lifestyle and imperfection and normalcy and not being extreme if we really want it to stick. So today I'm going to give very simple tips on how to make your workout more effective, things that you can add in literally tomorrow. And you may already be doing them anyway. So if you are, good for you. You can give yourself a pat on the back. And I want to give a little shout out today to Shelby Belby for her podcast review titled So Good. I love this podcast. Most health and fitness resources leave me feeling overwhelmed, but I always leave Andrea's podcast having learned so much and feeling inspired and capable. Thank you, Shelby Belby, for your review. It means so much to me. And I'm glad that you guys come here and feel like, I can do this. Health and fitness is complicated, but we can simplify it. And that is my goal is to show you simple steps that you can take to build your health and fitness knowledge and not feel like a fish out of water. If you find this episode helpful like Shelby Belby did, please write me a review. I read those every week before I record. It means the world to me. So please make sure that you write your review and don't forget to follow along so you get the episodes downloaded directly to your phone wherever you listen on Spotify, on Apple, on Stitcher or whatever every single Wednesday so you don't miss anything. Now, as I get into today talking about things that are going to make your workout more effective, one thing that is going to make your workout more effective that I'm not going to touch on is sleep. Sleep is super important for making your workout effective because otherwise you drag and also a lot of muscle repair, rebuilding of the muscles happens while we're sleeping. So it is really important that we get quality sleep. I've mentioned multiple times that I lay down at night and my mind races like a maniac. So I love my Soul CBD's Bedtime Besties. They have two different flavors. It is triple lab tested, so there is zero THC in it, and you only have the cannabidol, which is what gives you the calm in the CBD. I feel like ever since I've started taking it, I fall asleep very easily. I used to lay in bed and toss and turn. It didn't matter if I took melatonin or anything else. I had major issues trying to fall asleep. So this is why I love this product. I also use their Rapid Relief Cream for sore muscles, and I'm just a massive fan. I mentioned a couple weeks ago how I gave it away to my neighbors. I gave it away at my favorite things party. I'm a massive believer in their bedtime besties because it has improved my sleep drastically and not only the sleep through the night, but my ability to fall asleep. You can get 15% off with my code SIMPLE. So on the site, you go to www.mysoulcbd.com and just apply that code SIMPLE for 15% off any of their products. And I really hope that it helps you as it's helped me. All right, let's get into today's episode. And besides sleep, let's talk about four other factors you can add in or make sure you're doing to make your workouts more effective. 
My name's Andrea Allen, and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness, but let's face it, the fitness industry is complicated, and it's not built for the everyday mom. There's so much conflicting information, and you're busy, and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed, so I have made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here, and I hope you stay a while. All right, so we're going to keep this simple, quick, and clear today. And we only have one section that I'm really going to try to break down because there is a lot of research and different opinions in it. But the first one's pretty easy. When you are starting your workout, the number one mistake I see people make is they don't have a clear-cut plan. Every day, they're waking up and flying by the seat of their pants. They're like, okay, I'm going to work out. They don't know exactly what they're going to work out. They don't know exactly what time they're going to work out. They don't even always know what muscles they're going to work out. So then they're trying to either already go to the gym and scan on their phone, or if you were at home, you're trying to quickly find some random video, and you're not lining up your workouts in an effective manner. The reason I say that is because I space out the muscle groups that I work in a certain way. So typically when you work a muscle group, you want to give that muscle 48 hours to 72 hours to rest. I don't do full body workouts very often unless I know the next day is a rest day or I didn't do something the day before because otherwise it's going to mess up my body's ability to rest the certain muscles that were worked and then allow me to work them again. That is an example of why it's really important to lay out your workouts for the week. Because if you did, let's say, back and shoulders on Monday, and then the next day you're like, I'm going to do a full body, and the full body workouts includes back and shoulders, you haven't given that muscle adequate time to repair and rebuild and get stronger. And that really matters if you're trying to speed up your metabolism. That really matters whether your goal is maintenance or fat loss or building muscle because muscle is your friend in all three of those categories. So being aware really matters and planning out for the week really matters. Something else that sometimes happens is when we don't have a plan, we end up having longer rests between our sets if we're lifting than planned. Now here is the truth. I am a personal trainer. I have been a personal trainer now since I had the twins, so about 10 years, and I have taught group fitness classes since I was 19. That's almost 20 years. If I don't have a plan when I start my workout, me, who's a a personal trainer who literally teaches thousands of women, who has clients, who does all these things, I don't have as good of a workout as if I have it written down ahead of time. I will go into the space that I exercise and I'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to start. It's leg day. I'll like start with hip thrusts and then I'll do my first set of hip thrusts. And then I'm like, oh, what do I want to superset it with? Hmm. And then I'll like kind of start to start one piece of equipment. And then I'm like, oh, I don't really want to superset it with that. And then I'll go to another one. And I end up basically dragging it out. A, my rest periods are longer than they need to be. B, my workout is longer than it needs to be. And C, I end up wasting time, a lot of time. And really, if I just the night before took probably 20 minutes and laid out a functional workout, it would make the workout better and it would make it more efficient. So please stop going to the gym or stop starting your workout and just scanning. You know, if you use 
even like programs on YouTube or anything. Stop scanning Instagram for a workout. Stop scanning YouTube. Plan it out for the week. Have an organized system. Whether you want to organize that yourself and say, okay, I'm going to break up my muscle groups like this. I'm going to add in cardio these days because that's important as well. And if you want to do that on your own, perfect. If you don't feel like you have the skill set to do that, I do suggest getting a coach. I try really hard to not overly talk about my coaching on here because I want you to have information to be able to progress in your journey at any pace that you want. But I help do that for my clients. That's what I do is they show up every week and they know exactly what their workouts are. And I'm obviously not the only person who does that. So if you have someone that you really enjoy, have them coach you. It's worth the time. Or go with a friend and say, okay, you're going to write these three workouts. I'm going to write these three workouts and we'll make sure that our muscles are separated out correctly with rest and then we'll do the workout together. So you do have options there, but I do suggest having a plan with a coach, by yourself lay it out, or with a friend because I promise it will make the workouts so much more efficient and quicker. So that really matters. The amount of times I see women at the gym like wandering around trying (laughs) to do something is really high. The second piece to this have a plan is have a plan that you need to switch up. Like as I mentioned, you need to space out those muscles You need to make sure you're not doing the same thing over and over and over again. If every single week you're going to the same cardio class or the same even weightlifting class, if the weightlifting class doesn't vary up the way they do things or vary up the reps and the sets and the rest, that all matters. That is going to hinder your body's ability to see changes. Some of my workouts, I have longer rest periods. Some of them I use longer sets. So like I might only do something where I am doing three sets and sometimes I'll do five sets. Often I will try to keep my reps lower. I prefer to stay in hypertrophy, so I kind of keep my reps between 8 and 12. But then sometimes I'll add in accessory work, which is a little bit higher. And if you need a little bit of help trying to understand how to set up your reps and sets and some of those things, episode 49, I talk about how to set up a strength training routine for you. And that can be helpful because if you are building your own Knowing what different rep ranges and weights and rest times do can make a difference depending on your goals because a power program where you're really focusing on strength max is going to be very different than a program where you're focusing on hypertrophy, which is just bodybuilding basically, or strength endurance where you're adding in cardio and some other things. So you kind of have to know what you're doing and hopefully that episode will help you as well. But at all costs, have a plan ahead of time. My next big tip, and I think this is a game changer, and I'll tell you why I think this is a game changer, is I think you need to have a BCAA or an EAA. A BCAA stands for a branch chain amino acid, and an EAA stands for essential amino acids. Now, I'll be honest. I fell into a major black hole looking at both of these items. I've used both. I intermix both. I've gone through phases where I've worked with the BCAA for a while, where I've done an EAA for a while. And to be honest, the research saying which one was better was a little bit mixed as they both had different pros and cons. So I linked so many articles. Like literally my eyes were like burning from reading research articles on this. But I wanted to tell you that they're important and I'm going to try to display this in as simple of a way as possible and explain both of them and the benefits and how I think they would be helpful. I will say, I'm one of the reasons I'm a big believer is because I personally don't have one while I'm nursing. 
There is no research for or against saying they're good or bad. It's a personal choice. It's totally your option if you are nursing. I just didn't. I'm kind of like, when in doubt, go without. But again, I know plenty of trainers who did. So that is a personal choice. But I noticed when I would weave it back in, I would notice a shift in my body's ability to build muscle majorly. Like I would kind of be building along and then when I added it in, it made a huge difference. Now, I have to be honest and say I also during this phase stopped nursing. So there's a lot of other hormones that are going down as well. So I do understand that that is a mixed variable. I do want to put that out there. But I have noticed even during times when I wasn't nursing, when I first stumbled upon a you know, this option of a BCAA a long time ago, years before, I noticed a shift then as well in my ability to maintain and build muscle. And again, I'm going to try to keep this as simple as possible. An EAA and a BCAA both impact your ability to get stronger and be fit. A branch chain amino acid, there's three amino acids. So how the body works technically is there are 20 amino acids. 11 of them our body makes naturally, and nine of them are essential, but we have to intake those by food and by supplements. So we have to ingest them. Our body doesn't make them. That's why they're essential. The other ones, we don't have to intake because our body's already doing it. A branched chain amino acid is just three of those amino acids, but they are three that are highly linked to athletic performance. So that is leucine, valine, and isoleucine. Some studies, like a recent study published in Frontiers in Physiology, found that ingesting 5.6 grams of a BCAA after a strength training session led to 22% greater muscle protein synthesis. So muscle protein synthesis simply means building muscle. It matters because whether your goal is building muscle or losing fat or maintaining, the more muscle you have on your body, the better your body is at building muscle, the faster your metabolism goes. So if you're trying to lose fat, that's going to help with that process. If you're trying to maintain as you age and stuff, your metabolism is going to stay stronger. For a lot of people, they don't have muscle on them. So as they age, that's when the metabolism starts slowing. If I have a lot of muscle on my body, my body has to work a lot harder to maintain that muscle, which keeps your metabolism stronger even as you age. BCAs have also been shown, because I said they are linked so heavy with athletic performance, that they help protect your body from breaking down muscle during exercise. So for example, if you are in a deficit or if you had a day where you maybe didn't eat at a maintenance level, a having a BCAA with your workout is going to help your body from breaking down muscle and being used for energy. It also helps reduce cortisol. That's huge because cortisol inhibits testosterone and testosterone is again a fat metabolism champion. So you do want a decent amount of testosterone. I mean, obviously men, it's a lot higher, but even in females, it's good to have some testosterone and it also increases muscle breakdown. Cortisol does. So you don't want cortisol and a BCAA helps with that. And the biggest one is that it's separate from an EAA is it decreases muscle soreness after the workout. So that's all the things that a branched chain amino acid does. And something I want you to keep in mind is a branched chain amino acid is also metabolized different than other amino acids. So that's kind of why they're set to the side because one, those three affect athletic performance, but they're also metabolized differently. Now, an EAA is essential amino acids, and there are nine of them. Three of those are a BCAA. So I want you to understand a BCAA is in an EAA, like they are in there, but it includes 
other essential amino acids. Essential amino acids are instrumental in a lot of different functions. So a BCAA is more just athletic performance, but an EAA is useful in regulation of digestion system, supporting healthy energy levels, supporting a healthy mood, promoting muscle growth, helping to repair damaged muscle tissue and other tissues, and helps to grow hair, skin, nails. It does a lot of tasks. And a BCAA, as I mentioned, is mainly just athletic. The tricky part is, as I mentioned, I found research articles and tons and tons of stuff promoting one over the other as being better or this one being better. But there were so many I found that basically said, use them both. They're both effective. And we could basically debate this until you're blue in the face. One recent one I did find that I do think is very interesting was from the Journal of International Society of Sports Medicine. And it said that you do need an abundant supply of all the EAAs, not just a BCAA, to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. And the reason they basically said this and what the article said is because sometimes as those three, the branch chain amino acids, are trying to do the protein synthesis, if there is a lack of other essential amino acids, they will pull those amino acids from different places in the body. So it's essential to have that EAA. So as I looked at this, and I truly read what experts said, and I truthfully can admit myself that I intermix both of them. I always have. But as I started this, I thought, I'm going to decide which one is head over heels over the other one. And what I learned is it's not black and white. And it's probably why I've always mixed them. And in my brain, I thought, I'm just going to do both of them because I read articles that showed both. So it's not black and white. There is some gray there. Both an EAA and a BCAA have been shown to promote recovery for exercise. End of story. That's what every article said. The variation was different, but both of them have been shown to do that. And that is likely because of their ability to reduce inflammation and repair muscle tissue. One article I do think is worth mentioning as well suggested that if you have adequate amounts of protein, that a BCAA may be better because you're probably getting enough essential amino acids in the food you're eating. If you are someone who has a really hard time eating protein, then a BCAA as a standalone may not be effective because you're not getting enough of the essential amino acids to just do the BCAA. So maybe being aware of your protein might help you decide which one of them is going to be the best fit for you, or you can intermix and do both of them, which is what I do and what a lot of experts said as well. So I thought that was really interesting. But I will say, in general, Taking one or the other or both is going to be better than none unless you feel like you truly get a perfect amount of whole foods. I know in that perfect world, you don't have to take a supplement for either of them because you're getting enough animal-based proteins like meat, daily amounts of dairy or plant-based proteins. There are a few exceptions with the plant-based because it makes it a little trickier in that you have to kind of mix and match your protein sources because some of them may be lacking one or more of the EAAs. So you do want to make sure you're mixing and matching your proteins, but you can technically get it from food. But for me, I always just like to have that extra, no, I think I do a good job with my food, but I'm just going to take that extra supplement right during my workout and be glad knowing that I had enough. For either one of those, the best time for a branch chain amino acid or an essential amino acid or mixing them both is to have it 
just before your workout, during your workout, and even just right afterwards. So I typically drink mine during my workout with my water. So by the time my workout's done, it's already drank. That's really a nice piece for me that I have found majorly effective for my ability to build muscle along with having a plan is have the plan, make sure I'm having a solid workout with weights and I'm having a branch chain amino acid and or an essential amino acid supplement. Now, just before you start that workout, we've talked about having that you know, branch chain amino acid or the EAA during the workout. I will say just before you start that workout, you do need to make sure that you have stretched and warmed up. This is really important. And the reason I feel like I've harped on this in the last six months is because I've been really open that I have a hip issue. And I think a lot back at things that were happening when it started to flare. And I just kept trying to work around it instead of really work on my mobility. I want you to take some time as I'm talking and think of a body part for you that is not flexible. It's not limber. You don't get a lot of movement there. For me, I know that my calves are very tight. I have very limited ankle mobility, and I know that my hips, I have some issues there. So in the last six months for my hips, I've really worked on those, and I've actually improved my mobility, and I've been able to improve my squats and made them more effective. For my calves, I've actually worked on that. I shouldn't say calves. I should say ankle, technically. I've worked on that for about a year. So What I want you to think about in this area where I say warm up and stretch is obviously you want to warm up, make sure your muscles are nice and warm. A warm up should be five to 10 minutes. It should be getting your heart rate moving. You start with both feet on the ground and as your warm up gets going, obviously you're moving both of them and you're getting your heart rate up. Not super high, but just enough to feel like your blood is pumping. Along with that, I would add in the mobility, which is a stretching. So if I'm going to do a leg day, I'm going to do some downward dogs. I'm going to do some different leg motions to really warm up those calves. I'm going to put my calf on a half foam roller and I'm going to do a stretch leaning forward where my knee is straight and where my knee is bent because there's two parts of the calf that I'm trying to stretch out. And so they work both parts of those calves. If I am doing a leg day, I will do probably five probably five mobility movements for my hip before I even get started. And that allows me to be more effective in my workout. It allows my range of motion to increase. So if you have a muscle or something where you're tight, I highly suggest taking time to really warm up that body part. Really stretch it first. You can do stable stretching and then move it through some mobility to get it to move and see some variation there. I highly suggest listening to episode 85, which is mobility versus stretching. And I kind of talk through some ideas there of what to be aware of. But I promise if you're having some small aches and pains, The best thing you can do is practice mobility and stretching and really work on that. And I bet you would see some improvements in a lot of your normal movements during your workout. So I know it seems simple, but if I could talk to myself a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, I'd be like, you better warm up better. You better work on mobility and stretching better and not just fly into your workout after, you know, a three-minute warm-up and think you're okay, but really mobilize and work on the range of motion in movements. My last tip, so you have a plan. You're going to take an EAA or a BCAA. You're going to warm up 
and you're going to make sure you're working on your mobility before you get moving. Your workout was amazing. You killed it. You had that plan and you just rocked it. You're going to finish your workout and you are going to finish and have some protein, 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 protein. You can have this with a whole food. That's fine with me. Or you can do a supplement. Studies have shown, and again, if I say, if I ever stay studies, I will always link the study in the show notes. There's probably like eight studies that are going to be linked today, but studies have shown that ingesting 20 to 40 grams of protein seems to be the maximum amount that the body basically needs to recover. What I tend to do is I tend to do a scoop and a half because sometimes I get busy and I'm not great at eating protein later in the day. And so I'm like, you know what? This is an easy way for me to make sure I get in protein. So I will do two scoops or a scoop and a half. And I normally hug the higher side of that window. Now, your body's ability to digest the protein is going to be affected by your weight, your height, your age, and the amount of muscle you have on your body and how hard you worked out. So it's hard for anyone to obviously calculate that individually. So I always kind of just hug the middle to top of that window, but you can do what is right for you. For years, we've actually taught that this protein needs to be had within 45 minutes of your workout because that's the anabolic window. That's basically when your muscles are broken down and they need the energy and it's really important. But it's been kind of interesting because over the last few years, some studies have showed that that window actually can be up to several hours after your workout. Now, hear me out on this. I'm saying, yes, have protein right after, but then I turned around and told you that window is actually longer than we thought in where your body can utilize that protein right after a workout. It's longer than the 45 minutes. But I still do it right after the workout every single time. I finish my workout and I instantly pull out my protein. And I will explain the reason I do this is because if I don't, I will forget. I just simply won't remember And it's easy to create a pattern and a system to make it happen. Otherwise, you might forget as well. If you know you finish your workout, then you have your protein, it can be a system of habits where it will happen every time. If I don't, if I'm like, okay, I'll have it in like 10 minutes, I'm just going to like walk down and get the mail and then I'm going to really fast add a story on my social media or whatever else. Before I know it, it's been like two hours and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't ever have that protein shake. And then I like didn't move on and like add in my breakfast. So I do it immediately after because it's an issue for me of being a habit. And while research shows, yeah, that window might be a little bit bigger, I would do it afterwards simply to create a system of consistency because that's really going to matter. And I want to make sure you're getting that in. The second thing is oftentimes people think, oh, okay, well, perfect. I had that protein right after my workout. I'm good to go. I've rebuilt those muscles. Recovery is not just about what you consume directly after your workout. It's about what you consistently consume to help the muscles throughout the day. As I mentioned earlier, muscles even built a lot when we're sleeping. And obviously, if you do a morning workout, it's been like 12 hours since you worked out and your muscles still building in your sleep. So you can't just have a protein for breakfast and then under fuel all day and try to diet 
all day long and then expect for muscle to be built, which is going to help your metabolism. It is an ongoing process. You need to make sure that you're still throughout the day having a decent amount of protein. I make sure I have protein at almost every meal. Your variation of protein can be different than mine, but I think being aware and making sure you're having it not just after your workout is really, really important for that muscle to continually rebuild and get stronger, and then we can go into our next workout. The second piece to that is I often tell my clients, and I do the same, is when I have that protein right after my workout, I also have a carb with it. And the reason why is because protein and carbs together is what builds the muscle, and carbs technically carry the protein to the muscle. I have my clients, and I do this myself, is I have that protein along with a carb. And technically, I do a simple carb, not a complex carb, because a simple carb is broken down quickly. I know that often we're like, oh, we don't want it broken down quickly. We want it to stay with us. But when your muscle is broken down, we actually want the food going directly to the muscle. So I do a simple carb with my protein because carbs have a really important role in muscle building because they are protein sparing, which basically means that they are stored as glycogen. And when your body's looking for energy, it's going to go to that glycogen instead of breaking down the muscle even more. So that allows the muscle to repair. And plus, carbs are partially converted to glycogen, which is a form of energy stored in the muscles. So if we're wanting the muscles to repair and to heal and then to get bigger, which helps our metabolism, having a simple carb right after your workout can be effective. I typically do a piece of fruit or a rice cake. I've seen people do a simple piece of toast with honey or different things on it, but I link that with my protein to make sure I'm having a carb right afterwards and a protein right afterwards, which is going to help with muscle repair. And again, you want that muscle to repair. If your road is different, I understand there are variations and maybe you're intermittent fasting, that can be different. I suggest if you are intermittent fasting that you do your workout and then you break your fast right afterwards. Or if you are intermittent fasting, I do suggest if you're doing your workout that you continue to drink that BCAA or that EAA after your workout until you break your fasting window because we are trying to prevent muscle from being broken down and used as energy. So if you are doing that, that those are probably the two most effective options for that. Otherwise, I would just do a protein and a simple carb right after the workout to make sure we're pushing that muscle. There's so much confusion where people think the answer to losing fat is just starving. And it's not. That's not the answer. The answer is learning how to use food to benefit you. And I'm hoping you're seeing in this example alone that protein and carbs benefit your body after a workout. They're going to get you to your goal much faster than starving, than allowing that muscle to be broken down and giving it no building blocks to rebuild and then being shocked your metabolism is struggling because it's all connected. So food is your friend. It's going to help you build, which is going to help your goal of either building muscle or fat loss because of its effect on the metabolism. So yes, I am a big fan of protein directly after the workout, and whether it is within that 45 minutes or within that first couple hours, I do it right afterwards in that first 45 minutes because it allows me to create that system, and I think that really matters for consistency. So I want you to have a plan. 
I want you to make sure that you're doing a supplement of a BCAA or an EAA to promote muscle repair. I want you to make sure you're thinking about stretching and mobility before and truly warming up and not just jumping into your workout because I promise mobility matters. Go back to that episode 85 because I explained it. It really does matter. If you have a tight muscle or something that's painful, I guarantee there's a mobility problem. I literally guarantee it. Maybe not 100%, but I'm like a hard 97% that if you're having a pain, there might be a weakness or a mobility problem. And lastly, get that protein in. Protein is your friend. It is going to help you no matter your goals. If you're trying to run a marathon, you need solid muscle and energy. If you're trying to lose fat, you need the muscle to speed the metabolism. If you're trying to build muscle, you need the protein to build the muscle. If you're trying to maintain, you need the protein to maintain so that as you age, your metabolism staying strong. Doesn't matter the outcome, it's always your friend. All right, that's it for today. We will chat next week. And as always, you are always doing better than you think you are. All right, we'll chat soon. 